Doesn't everyone want it but me? My name is Lisa Hedger. I'm your host. I'm a freelance writer, journalist, and editor in Central Ohio. This is the podcast where we offer unique opinions on literature and bookish topics. Today is a book bits episode. These are typically a little bit shorter episodes, and I've got a handful of topics to discuss today. First off, we're going to talk about little free libraries, and we're going to kind of talk about what those are and, and what's happening with them. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about books for graduation gifts. This is a a subject I'm going to bring up again, but we're just starting this topic now. Then I'm going to wrap up the episode with the start of the discussion about summer reading. That's another topic that we'll continue to talk about for the coming weeks as well. Now on to the show. All right, guys. So first off, we're going to talk about the little free libraries. So what is a little free library? If you don't know, basically it it's any type of structure. It could look like a little house. It could be, you know, a little box. Some of these are really elaborate. Some of them are not. I've seen these in neighborhoods. I've seen them by churches, parks, schools, you name it. They can, they can really be anywhere. The concept is somebody puts books in them. Again, it could be all different kinds. You could have one, the one little library I'm thinking of by one of my local parks is, is more kid oriented books as, as you expect, because it's by like a, a kid park, but I've seen many that have, you know, adult mysteries in them, some combinations, some have mysteries and popular fiction books with some nonfiction and with some kid books. So basically what happens is you are welcome to pick up a book anytime you want. You are not required to return it. You certainly can. You can read it and return it. You could drop off a, a book or two that, that you're done reading for this little public library. Again, you're not required to. Many times people will take books and they don't return them. Like they, they just hang on to the book and that is okay. So there's, there's no, you know, registration, there's no signing up there. Nobody signs them out. You just grab a book and you're on your way. My neighborhood right now actually does not have one, but the neighborhood sometimes where I walk in the summer, where my my kids have various um, activities and, and I walk in different neighborhoods when I'm traveling to see various relatives, areas where I walk there, always have more. Little Free Libraries is their official name, you guys. Little Free Library. So when I'm walking in different places, I do see more Little Free Libraries. And the books are in all sorts of various conditions. Like there's one place where I was walking a lot last summer where I stumbled upon one. I probably spent literally like 10 or 15 minutes kind of reorganizing it because I felt like it it had was a little disheveled. So it, it needed a little housekeeping. So I just took that time and, and did it. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is these little free libraries. I like to offer different opinions on on literature and bookish topics and things like this. So, so my overall opinion on, on these little free libraries, I mean, I, I just think they're, they're pretty fabulous and I love them. 
how, and I, I don't see that changing, but I do want to share with you this, this study, which I thought was really interesting because they offered some constructive thoughts on these little free libraries I never even thought about. Now, it doesn't necessarily change my mind, but I think it's interesting and it's something that, that people might want to hear about. So it turns out, based, and I'm going to include a link to the study and a link to an article about this particular study, but they're basically saying that the little free libraries is not quite as simple as they may seem. So little free library, which quite frankly, I did not really realize until I read this, it is a brand name. So that means that anyone who wishes to use the little free library is paying a registration fee that can range from around 42 to $89. And there were more than 50,000 official little free libraries as of just four or five years ago. And people who, you know, certainly there's a lot of discussion about the, the structures to use. So you can purchase one from this organization. It can range from about $179 to $1,200. And $54, and then you can get all sorts of other swag as well, like your stickers, your signs, your bookmarks, you know, a dog treat container, apparently, <laughs> just all sorts of fun things that say little free library on it. So going back to this, this study, the two researchers from Toronto, Jane Schmidt and Jordan Hale, so they really analyzed a couple areas in Canada and they published this study called Little Free Libraries Interrogating the Impact of the Branded Book Exchange. So they essentially and like I said I will include this this link in the show notes but but they have a couple of questions. They basically in some as I said constructive criticism about this movement. So they actually say that little free libraries have made book sharing more complicated and costly than it ever needed to be. Put simply, one does not need the assistance of a nonprofit corporation to share books with their neighbors. So in this analysis, they kind of looked at locations of little free libraries in Toronto and Calgary, and they found that, that many of these libraries if you're actually in pretty wealthy neighborhoods where predominantly white residents are who already have university degrees and where pretty robust public libraries already exist. So they essentially say this kind of goes against the notion that little free libraries can somehow combat book deserts, right? Where people aren't able to get and find books because these little free libraries are already in areas that have a really wonderful opportunity to find literature. So I, like I said, this is, it's a really interesting discussion and the study, you know, raises the question they ask is why can't public libraries meet these needs? And they essentially say, you know, why, why do we need these little free libraries? You know, when we have libraries that are already so phenomenal and of course these, again, robust book collections curated by trained librarians, why do we need little free libraries? Why do we need them? So 
here's where I'm going to answer this. So I, I want to note that I think any opportunity for somebody to get their hands on a library book, or in this case, a book, right? Any opportunity to get your hands for a kid or for anyone to get their hands on a book is always a good thing. I want to note that I posed this question on social media, and I really loved the responses that I got. The study highlights the fact that you have this nonprofit agency who's collecting money and, and things like that. And the people who posted on my social media thread were saying, hey, a lot of times these little libraries just pop up and, and they're not going through the branding. They just are this little this little box. One person had posted and said, we have one outside of a church. It's pretty, it's, it's frequented from members of the community. We do have a nice library in town, but during the pandemic, and, and there were some flooding issues in this town, it was not open for many months. So many kids took advantage of this little library. And this person also noted that we have a high poverty level in our township. And for many kids, it's super exciting to pick out a book that they get to keep. So uh, somebody else kind of said something similar that, you know, they're, they're not always necessarily branded. Sometimes somebody makes a little box or something like this and and keeps these these books available prevents these books from going into the garbage truck just making them them available somebody else was talking about a girl scout troop that was installing many little libraries in in the area and collecting books, restocking them and making sure that they're they're clean and basically saying many of these were just little little entities that you built and you didn't necessarily need to go with the registry. You just made them available, keep them and I do think yes, this person said keep them clean. You do need it does need to be regularly cleaned. Be because yes, like I mentioned that one library, little library that that I walked around last summer, and I do not believe that one was branded either. I think that was just something somebody made. You opened it up, and there were the books, but they did need a, a bit of, of dusting and, and things like that. So like I said, I wanted to share this because it did kind of get me thinking about this concept and thinking about it just a little deeper level than, than I had before. Because like I said, I didn't really even quite understand that there is the this organization, this nonprofit organization. I would imagine if you want to be part of that, like if you wanted to have a little library, I think some advantages to being part of this organization are then your little spot would, would have the branding and also be part of a map. So if people just wanted to find different little public libraries, you would be listed on that as part of your registration. That is definitely something to keep in mind. I personally, I love these. I love these. I love these so much. I think they're so cool. I think the examples that people were bringing up during the pandemic, during if there is, you know, a, a flood or some kind of a, maybe a hurricane or some reason that a library can't be open, this just gives folks another opportunity. And I have to tell you, like I said, every single time I go buy one, I have to open it and I have to see what is in it. And if there's something that 
I haven't read or I'm interested. I mean, yeah, it's, it's even hard for me to, to leave without like grabbing a book. So I love the idea of it. I do think that I will share this study kind of opened my eyes, had me thinking about things a little bit differently. Like, oh, wow, that, you know, these researchers brought up something a little different. I hadn't thought about still love these <laughs> libraries. And I do hope that we still continue to see more and more of them. And I, I would love to, to talk to some guests who have them. I think that there's also a lot of issues about maintaining them and the structures, especially if it's snowing and or you are around hurricanes. I think the structures have to be really solid. But I, I do think this, I like this the study because it just opened my eyes and had me thinking about things just a little bit differently. As I said, I am a big fan of these libraries and I don't envision that 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 is going to change. I will include the links to the show notes and feel free to check out these this study and um, also include you know some links of course to the to the little free library organization and there's some awesome pictures out there you can see some of these different designs and and things like that as well all right i want to talk a little bit about graduation and books so the question is like do you should you give books to graduates as as part of as part of the gift and i think everyone has a different answer on that I know that as you're listening to me talk about this, you're probably expecting me to say, of course, you know, I, I give books every now and again as, as graduation gifts. I want to be completely transparent. I don't think I have ever given a book as a graduation gift. That doesn't mean it's it's a bad gift. I, I think giving a, a book would, would be an excellent gift. I, I think the right graduate would love it. But just for me personally, I don't. And that's because I remember being 18 years old and, and being broke and feeling stressed out about college. And because of that, I, I we typically give these graduates cash. You know, I just think you, you just, you need it. So that's what I typically do. Now, this year, because I think I've mentioned this before, I have my oldest is graduating. I'm thinking of adding, I will say, a picture book. No, now I'm not talking about Dr. Seuss in this instance. I'm thinking all of these kids wear all their pictures. They're all on their phones and their social media. I thought it'd be neat to take some of the pictures that I've gathered throughout the many, many years of, of some of these kids from little tiny till, you know, today and make it into, they used to call them photo albums actually, but like a little, but a smaller size than that probably almost like a picture book with, with little captions underneath that, that you can make at your local CVS or Snapfish or any of these places and it's not very expensive and I thought that would be fun to include with the gift of cash <laughs> for some of the graduates and it, it could just something that that's a little different but I reached out on social media because as I suspected many of the other book lovers and I think there are some cool ideas Apparently one that's very, very popular, we would expect this, is is our old pal, Dr. Seuss. Oh, the places you'll go. I posted on a handful of social media sites and many, many, many people said that. And they said that they would often write a, a special message on the front flap. And then I'm sure that graduate 
could hang on to that and then they could, you know, read it when, when they have their own kiddos. I thought that that's classic. I think that's your classic type of, of book. Certainly, uh, there's some popular ones on personal finance. And there's so many personal finance books. I just have seen that mentioned kind of over and over again. I think you cannot go wrong with, with a type of personal um, finance book. I also saw, and this kind of goes a, a little bit with that, contrarian view that that we like to offer different types of books that you wouldn't think of as you know upbeat pleasant reflective book but somebody had posted things like know my name Missoula and not that bad okay so those three books all deal with the topic topic of rape and sexual assault so certainly those are you know those are difficult books, but one person said I that they tend to buy those type of books um, as gifts to, to female graduates. Those are, are, are tough books, but, but something to, to think about. Someone else said they tend to stick with Malcolm Gladwell's books. He did The Outliers, Talking to Strangers. Those are just a couple of his books that I can think of off the top of my head. Those are both, those are books that I think get, get graduates to, to start thinking. They, they look at the world in a little different way. Again, one of the reasons I personally, I, I remember when I graduated, it was a time that I personally did not read a lot outside of college. I felt like I was, I was really overwhelmed with college reading. I, I think that some of those like shorter, oh, or remember Mike Royko, he was the columnist for the Chicago Tribune. Those are the kind of books where you could just open and read almost like a column that's kind of funny and goofy, I, I kind of like something like that. And in that line, in that thought of being goofy, somebody had said that they, as a joke, <laughs> they go with Carax on the road. Get them to drop out of college their first year. It's a great joke to play on their parents. So we like to have humor, right? So someone else had suggested This is Water by David Foster Wallace. I have not read that book. I want to tell you a little bit about This is Water. I have not read this book, but it only gets 946 rankings. I saw, I believe, on Goodreads, less than a thousand. So David Foster Wallace gave a public talk talk at a commencement address in 2005 at Kenyon College. Kenyon College is in Ohio. So the speech is reprinted in in this short book and it really talks all these questions, right? How does one keep from going through their comfortable, prosperous adult life unconsciously? How do we get ourselves out of the foreground of our thoughts and achieve compassion? So the the speech captures Wallace's electric intellect as well as his grace and attention to others. After his death, it became a treasured piece of writing reprinted in the Wall Street Journal and the London Times. This might be the kind of really thoughtful thing that graduates would really like. And that's kind of what I was thinking. If I do decide to actually start giving books, which I'm not saying I'm going to, but if I were to, I, I think something like this would really fit in something small. There were 
I, I know a lot of people who like to do, you know, college survival kits or, you know, one of my other friends says she did like a medicine kit where she's including the band-aids and the Advil and, you know, things like that, that, that all college students probably forget to pack, but, but you need that kind of stuff and make it into a little bit of a kit. And, and she had added a small type of book as well. And, you know, if you do one of those college survival kits and you, you add your popcorn and you add, you know, the snacks and, and things like that, you know, you can still throw in, in a little money with something like that and one of these kind of cool books. So I just think that that there are some unique types of books that that I think some, some graduates might like. It's something to consider. It's something I will think about. Like I said, I'll probably maybe do these these picture kind of books perhaps this year and, and maybe something a little little more thoughtful as well. So that's something something to think about. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about summer reading. Summer reading for many readers out there, this is everyone's most favorite time to read. Summer reading could mean like two things, right? So think about like hanging out at the beach of your choice with your book and just having the most lovely afternoon catching up on reading. And then also when I think of summer reading, the second thing I think about is all of these awesome reading programs that are usually catered to, to kids. And certainly there's the library summer reading programs. There's summer reading programs through many corporations where kids will get free books. They'll get free tickets to concerts, baseball games, you name it. They'll get free meals. I mean, there's so many amazing programs out there. I will definitely talk more about these programs, I think, in the coming weeks. Today, I just wanted to encourage the adults out there to check out these types of programs for adults. Our library also has an adult summer reading program. And I feel like the adult summer reading programs, they don't get as much attention. They don't get as much glitz. They don't get as much promotion. The marketing is not quite out there. We don't have the fun bags and the fun designs that the kids have. Who cares? It doesn't matter if you're reading anyway. Usually it just means when you're going to the library to pick up a book or drop off a book, either some of these are online as well, or it could be in person. You fill out what you have read. You just track it. You'll just think like, okay, what did I read last week or this week? Write it down. Sometimes you're just popping it in with the possibility of winning something. And sometimes these programs are even available outside of our libraries. Some entities have adult reading programs. So I just want everyone to start thinking and start looking. As I said, I'm going to talk about summer reading more. This is just just to get that thought process working. I just want everyone to start thinking about this idea that some of these summer reading programs are not just for kids. They're, they're for adults too. I will tell you, I, I've won a couple of prizes. I'm not one that normally wins anything, but I think I've won at least one or two prizes and it's, it's super exciting because I read anyway, so I might as well enter these little contests. So consider that, check it out, check out different organizations for yourself as an adult. And, and of course, we know there are so many amazing programs for kids, but I just think it's fun to consider for adults as well. So I want to 
Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. I really appreciate your time. If you ever have that Everyone Loved It But Me book you'd like to recommend or a bookish topic you'd like to recommend, please check out my website at www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. You can just pass on any bookish insights, a book you like, a book you didn't like, any, maybe a book you've given as a graduation gift, anything you want to share, you can reach out to me on my website. I always appreciate it if you tell people about my show. That's how people can find me. Let those, those friends of yours and relatives and neighbors who love books, let them know about my show, please. Again, thank you for your time. I hope you have a lovely day. And most importantly, I hope you get time to read today.